game. I wanna slam fools on the mat. Wanna suplex cats, give them belly to bats. Rock bottom, tombstone, and a sunset flip. So I need you to teach me that. No way. I wanna slam fools on the mat. Hear the crowd go wild when I win the strap. Boom, soft, sharpshooter, and a F5-2. So I need you to teach me that. Lately, in our society, we have uh, created this culture among the internet it's called cancel culture. And, you know, it's a kind of a shame because there are some people that do things like, you know, by accident or just, you know, they, they do things because, you know, they're human and they get canceled for it. Like there was this one um, dude who he was working with a client and, you know, he became enamored with the client and him and, the cli and, him and his client ended up uh, hooking up and he got fired for it. And when people found out, he lost his job. And I think that really sucks because apparently he was a really good mortician. And so I just, I think that really, really. <laughs> oh my God. <clears throat> Welcome, to the natural... Welcome to the Natural Disasters of Wrestling podcast. I'm done. Wow. I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm done. I don't know where we go from there. That's, uh, that's oh, a spicy man. open. That's the most I've laughed genuinely today. Oh, oh man. I'm sorry. I heard that joke the other day. It's just so stupid. I love it. That was good, though. I, I, I'll give you that. That was good. I was, like, where are you going? I was like, where are you going with this? The first non-wrestling related joke. Well, I mean, maybe with a, a small handful of non-wrestling related jokes I've opened the show with. But um, We apologize for not having a episode up earlier in the week. It's been a busy week for both of us. Yes. Um, a lot of uh, life stuff has happened. And, you know, sometimes family comes first. And, you know, not unfortunately, but just, you know, we do a show about men in tights. And, you know, that can take a backseat when we have shit going on in our lives. But we do apologize because, you know, we try to make, uh, we, try, we try to keep this consistent. Uh, yeah. But the next couple of weeks are going to be a little bit weird, so we apologize in advance. Um, this past week, actually on the second, so two, four, two, four, six, seven, but yeah, about a week from, a uh, week ago from today. About a week ago, week ago. We had uh, the one year, tech, the actual one year anniversary of Dynamite of AEW uh, Dynamite, uh, you know, airing on TNT. So over almost 19 years after WCW went off the air on TNT, we had a brand new promotion, um, you know, uh, appear and uh, almost not, not necessarily rival WWE, but I mean, WWE decided to step up. And at that same time, they premiered, NXT, well, I think what was it, a week before they aired NXT on USA? Two weeks prior, they premiered a one-hour version of NXT on USA, and then on the same night, they premiered the two-hour NXT format. Yeah, um, it's amazing because, you know, um, if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a long-time wrestling fan especially, you never really thought of, you know, of a wrestling company may, you know, being able to hold a TV show on any big network, let alone something like, you know, Turner's network. Turner's old network, that's technically what uh, AOL's network, I guess. Yes. Uh, Warner Media, whatever, but, you know, it's incredible. And um, where were you when you watched it? 
I was at home. I requested the day off. I requested the day off um, to actually watch Dynamite for the very first time. And, you know, it was October 2nd, 2019. You smart bastard. Yes, it was a... It was at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at work. Um, I don't know what, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I totally forgot that it was premiering that day. And so, but the next best thing I did was I put it on my phone and I hooked up my headphones and I had it playing in my pocket the whole time. So I kind of listened to it like a radio broadcast. And, you know, at least I got to hear it live like everybody else. I, I you know, whenever I could, I'd stop and, watch a little bit of a match, but um, I thought it was incredible. And, you know, uh, TNT has uh, put up the main event, the first match and the main event of that Dynamite on their app, on the TNT app. Uh, so I implore you all to watch it because it's, first off, it's it's incredible to see how far we've come, how far AEW has come in that year. And also um, fans are a nice thing to hear. It is. You know, hearing how hype everybody is. So let's, we're going to run down the card just a little bit. Um, but first, um, on Ring Announcer, we obviously have Justin Roberts. Um, interviews, we had uh, Chris uh, Van, Van Ville. Yep. Ville. Yep. And uh, Tony Schiavone. On uh, Commentator, we had Jim Ross, Excalibur, and Tony Schiavone. And at some point in the show, Britt Baker uh, was on Commentary. Our referees for the uh, for the night were Aubrey Edwards, Earl Hebner, Paul Turner, and Rick Knox. And then our special guests for the evening were uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. Um, I that was my favorite part because uh, yes. uh, throughout throughout the whole show you can see them ringside uh, reacting to everything, and you can see how much they enjoyed it. But like when I was listening to it at work, like I had no idea that they were there. So when I heard both of their voices, I just that, that was, I popped. That was the biggest thing I popped for. I think. Because it's two, it's two different worlds that I love, you know, coming together um, and just making a big mess on my chest. Um, <laughs> Face, neck, and chest. Yeah. Um, our opening match, the very first match, wrestling match on TNT, we had uh, Cody with Brandy Rhodes against Sammy Guevara. So this is uh, – Sammy Guevara has actually had um, two uh, really big um, privileges. He was the first – singles match for AEW against Kip Sabian. Mm-hmm. And he was the first match on AEW Dynamite for TNT. And so I think that speaks volumes of what um, AEW, what everybody at AEW thinks of Sammy Guevara. What'd you say? Uh, yeah. I mean, it speaks loud on just what they think of him. Sorry. Um, and Brandy Rhodes, you know, Brandy and Cody kind of have not – I don't know what kind of gimmick or what kind of apparel they were wearing, but Brandy's fucking hot. Brandy is a babe, a total babe. That was the first thing I noticed. I was like, fuck, Brandy's hot. Um, my God, yes. Uh, Cody goes over. Cody goes over on Sammy Guevara uh, after the two shake hands. And then Chris Jericho comes in and uh, attacks Cody. Um, and do you remember what the pay-per-view they were setting up for around this time? Uh, full gear. Full gear, that is correct. Cody Rhodes was going to face uh, Chris Jericho for the AEW championship. And With later the on, speculation would... uh, that he, if he didn't win, he would never challenge for the title ever again. Was that set by this Dynamite or was it set up afterwards? I think it was set in the next one, okay. but that was one of the stipulations leading into that match. 
It was. After that, we had MJF versus Brandon Cutler. Brandon Cutler making his uh, his TV debut uh, as well as MJF, although MJF had been on MLW television, but I don't think that's really broadcast into a lot of places. Um, of course, MJF goes over. We're building up MJF as a really big heel, but this is before he yeah, he becomes Cody's best friend. So we have mm-hmm. three weeks to build MJF as Cody's best friend until we all know what happens. MJF turns his back on Cody. Um, after this, we had Pac going up against Hangman Page. Uh, Hangman Page coming off a uh, loss a while back from uh, Chris Jericho for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And then Pac, you know, first time on television since 205 Live on, uh, yeah. Yeah, on broadcast television since 205 Live. Uh, Hangman Page, obviously uh, a fan favorite already by by now, although he's not as big as he is now, I would say, as far as, you know, what wrestling fans have for him. He's definitely evolved uh, since then. After that, we had our, uh, a- our AEW Women's World Championship match to de- uh, declare the first women's champion. We had Riho against Nyla Rose. And we, of course, we have Riho going, Rio going over Nyla Rose. Um, I've always been a big fan of Nyla Rose. I think ever since she was... Um, she was brought out at, at double or nothing last year. I think, you know, I think the world of Nella Rose, I think she's, she's really um, athletic and I think she has a really good character if they really work on it with her. Uh, Riho, obviously part of the Joshi, um, uh-huh. the, the Joshi, I don't know what contingent, I guess you would say that they had, they, they had a bunch of Joshis at the beginning of AEW and Riho, uh, you know, she, of course there's a language barrier. A lot of her, uh, um, her promos were dubbed in English, but you still felt how big of a character that she was or how big of a personality that she had. And I don't know, how do you feel about Riho being the first AEW Women's Champion, especially since we haven't seen much of her since she dropped the title? I mean, she's, I hate to say this, but she's a forgettable champion. Because, you know, you've had, since had Nyla Rose, who kind of had a... She won it all, if I'm not mistaken, at... Was it, was uh, it on a dynamite, wasn't it? No, it wasn't dynamite. It was on a. Oh no, it was, it was on a revolution. Revolution, yeah. Yeah. So she won at revolution, and then she dropped it to Akira Shida at uh, double or nothing. Yeah, this year's double or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then unfortunately, I think we would probably see more of Rio, obviously, if it wasn't for the whole pandemic situation. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I think. Uh, and I think about this, about the whole Joshi thing, too. It's just that it, it's not the right audience. I think they tried to push a little bit too much of a fast because you had Riho, you had, um, you had, I can't remember a lot of the names right now, and I apologize for that because, you know, they were, they were really talented women, but it's not something that the American audience is used to. And I think that if they had eased everybody into it a little bit more, I think everybody would have had, you know, uh, a re- reacted to it better. You know, they would have had a better reception, but, I think they were leaning too much on the Joshis and they were building up, you know, the women that they have in their, um, in their roster because, you know, Big Swole is finally becoming a, a bigger star. Uh, and you could see it when uh, uh, AEW Dark debuted the week after this. Um, you know, uh, Big Swole is one of the, I think, I think she has what it takes to be a, like a household name, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Britt Baker also has uh, built up a lot of steam as far as, uh, you know, getting people behind her, especially as a, um, as a heel. 
mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately it's a little bit like it almost was a little too little too late kind of but I mean you know they're not going off the air anytime soon but I just I want them to I think they, if they hadn't used a whole bunch of time on the Yoshis I think their women's division would be a lot more stronger or at least on the level that impacts would be yeah I mean the so they need a lot of I mean they need a lot of building to towards the women's division Akito Shida like she's a fantastic wrestler Mm-hmm. But her biggest, like, her biggest threat isn't even from AEW. It's from, you know, it's... It's from it's, the NWA. That's from the NWA. Like they that, re- yeah, go ahead. They really, really, really need to, like, they really, really need to work on their women's division. I mean, they have, like, for example, uh, Abandon, like, we haven't seen her in forever. Yeah, and and unfortunately, um, like there are women we haven't seen, but um, I think we should chalk it up to possibly just not wanting to travel right now, which you can't blame. Well, the thing is, abandons appeared on Impact like during you know during this whole thing. Oh, that's true. Maybe contract disputes. Maybe. Who knows? It's an interesting notion. Um, but I mean, there's like. Like, there's so much good talent that they have on the roster, and they don't – like, there's so much good female talent. Like, Anna Jay should be, like, dominating. She should be a dominant heel right now. Yeah, I want to know more about Anna Jay, and I find it interesting that they put her in the dark order, um, and they're not really, like, making her a staple as, like, oh, she's the one – she's, like, you know, the woman representing the dark order, and she's going to take over the women's division in AEW for the dark yeah. order. Yeah. You could be doing that, and I, yeah. I'm surprised that they're not. And then, like, you have take, you know, you have take Katari, if I'm pronouncing that right. Aikari? Yeah. Yeah, that's true, yeah. You have her, uh, you have Serena Deeb now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think they lost out on, um, on getting Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez. I agree. Uh, if you remember, she was at Double or Nothing uh, last year when she was, oh, no, All Out, sorry. She was at All Out. Uh, the first all-out in the women's uh, casino battle royale. Yeah. Um, and I think she would have made a really big uh, impact in AEW, but, you know, obviously now she's in uh, WWE. Um, but, you know, I think she would have been a big asset to AEW. Uh, throughout this, um, throughout these two hours for Dynamite, uh, we had various interviews. We had SCU being interviewed by uh, Tony Schiavone. We had uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes being interviewed uh, by, I think, Tony Schiavone. Well, no, 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 Chris, uh, Chris Anvil. Um, and then kind of being interrupted by Best Friends and uh, the Hybrid 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I was going to say, oh, funny thing about this, uh, about Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith being here, and I think we talked about it on the first episode, uh, they were banned from WWE, or their, uh, their appearance on SmackDown that same week was canceled when they showed up on AEW. Yeah. So they were the first uh, casualties of the wrestling war between AEW and NXT. Uh, I thought that was completely funny because I remember uh, after, because I heard about that after I went to SmackDown that week and I was pissed because I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean you're petty enough to cancel my husband's fucking uh, appearance? Um, But yeah. Um, And then our main event, uh, we had uh, Chris Jericho and Santana on Ortiz, who had just debuted at All Out uh, after the Escalera de la Muerte. Uh, Jericho, Santana, Ortiz defeating the Elite 
of the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, and Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is where we see the debut of Jake Hager. Yep. And I think Sammy Guevara ends up actually coming out at the end too, if I don't, if I remember correctly. But this is basically the formation of uh, the, inner the inner circle. Yeah. Um, how, what did you? How did you feel about that? How did you feel about? Uh, Jericho, Ortiz, and Santana going over the elite on the very first time. I was okay with it. I mean, I was okay with it. You know, Jericho was a champion, and they were trying to, like, they are debuting a faction. So, you have to have them debut strong. Yeah. You have to have them debut strong. Uh, Story-wise, it makes sense. And also, just to get viewers to come back, because you see the bad guys going over. You see you know, the favorites, uh, you know, in a losing effort. And so, and especially with uh, Hager helping Jericho and uh, Los Boricuas or whatever they were called at this time, uh, just decimating, yeah, powder and powerful, uh, decimating the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Like it makes you want to see what's going to happen next week. It gives you the incentive to turn in next week. And I think that was really smart. I was like, I was okay with it too. Um, You know, uh, and also obviously knowing what we know now, you could have seen uh, Gallows and Anderson appearing for AEW at, at the end of this, which would have been interesting. But actually would have been really neat. Um, I think everybody would have obviously wanted to see, you know, a bullet club reunion of sorts, but having Gallows and Anderson going against the, the Young Bucks would have been fun too. Also, oh, we had Moxley return too this night. Um, he took out Kenny Omega, like, during that match. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. He gives him the the paradigm shift through the glass table. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And uh, unfortunately, uh, well, Omega and Moxie set up for a uh, lights out, unsanctioned match for full gear. Before this, they were supposed to fight at, was it Fight for the Fallen? Or was it? Uh, no, they are supposed to fight it all out. They were supposed to fight it all out, but then uh, Moxie got a staph infection on his arm. Yeah. Um, and so he had to he had to pull out, and so you know that was a match that everybody was waiting for, and I for, I totally forgot that was part of the main event. That's all. That was awesome, and it was good to see. Obviously, again, Moxley pops numbers too for you know people who were watching WWE before, and you know it's just like oh that's fucking Dean Ambrose or whatever. It's just like nope, he's John Moxley. This is the I, I'm a character that's I think much more fitting than Dean Ambrose is. Yes, or was. Uh, overall, what did we give? What do you think we gave this? What would you give this now? Still looking back on it, it's still five out of five. I mean, it was a fantastic, fan fucking fantastic. Uh, yeah, I would give it a five out of just kind of looking at like obviously, okay, so you and me, we obviously know all these people, all these everybody that was on the card, we knew of even at this time, we knew of. If you're looking at it as a non wrestling fan, um, just the um. The flow of everything isn't all that bad. I mean, you know, the first main event was super hype. You had a big name in Cody Rhodes going after a young person like Sammy Guevara. You have MJF obviously going over very soundly uh, Brandon Cutler to set up this monster heel that's going to be a big part of the company, uh, whether now or sooner or, you know, later down the line. You have Pac, you know, again, another uh, big name, uh, you know, as Adrian Neville in WWE. And also, he's he's just impressive looking as hell. And then you have another favorite, Hangman Page. But that's more of a crowd favorite, but it's still a really good match. You know, you have your women's match. You're giving them a lot of time. And then you're also showing off what they can do. This one, again, uh, hindsight being what it is, it could have been a little bit better. You could have, again, we could have had totally different contenders. 
Um, but it was still really good. And then obviously the main event, you have a lot of big names, um, especially in Chris Jericho. Like, uh, I think everything about this card, everything about this premiere for a wrestling television show, uh, it's hard to do it any better. Like, even if you, exactly. I mean, even if you were to look at the very first Raw, or if you look at the very first Monday Night Nitro, like, the only notable thing about Nitro that you can honestly recall is what? Uh, Lex Luger coming in. Lex Luger making his surprise appearance after being uh, fired from the W or his contract was fired from the WWF. What can you remember about the first Monday Night Raw? As he takes a drink. Absolutely nothing, because like I don't, I, I don't even remember I think the, the first. I think I think the Undertaker was on there, or it might have been Bret Hart or all that motherfuckers. Like this, this is how you do it. They, they everything and. AEW is really good about. Oh, go on. The only thing I remember about the first Monday Night Raw is the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah, they had a lot of Raws at the Hammerstein Ballroom uh, in the early '90s. That's right. Um, or yeah, was it no at the Manhattan Center too? Yeah, Manhattan Center well, was most of their home. That's where the uh, Hammerstein Ballroom is at. Oh, but isn't it a different room? I mean, yes, but it's um, still at the Manhattan Center. Okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, so AEW has gotten really good at stacking their cards and making, at least giving you a few pay-per-view quality matches. Whereas we look at NXT and NXT for a while still felt like developmental until they, until maybe like, I'd say like December, January, when they started really, um, just a counter booking AEW. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think uh, AEW Dynamite is going to be is going to go for a while. Um, there, the new president of TNT seems to be really happy with it. Um, did you see that? Yeah, he's really happy with the he's really happy with you know the ratings that they're getting. Um, it's one of their top watched shows. So if you exclude if you exclude basketball, you know if you exclude the NBA because NBA only doesn't have as long a season as AEW does. Yeah. Like it's their number one TV show. Yeah. And you know, it's it's surprising I'm sure it's surprising to some of them because, you know, pro wrestling is still a quote unquote dirty word. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, wrestling fans get a get a bad rap and so there's a there's a reputation to us, but I, I think it's honestly gotten a lot better now. Um, and especially since the companies have changed with the times as well because you don't necessarily see a lot of women on their knees barking like a dog or you don't see old ladies giving birth to hands. Um, if it's men, a few more months. All right. Um, so, like we said, um, and, you know, AEW a year ago, Historic Week, on that same week, we had two things happen for WWE. We had SmackDown debuting on network television debuting for mm-hmm. fox mm-hmm. but they were also celebrating their 20th anniversary that's correct you um, were there for that show right were you not i was and oh i had feelings um a lot of good feelings and a lot of bad feelings especially when we got to the end um it was cool in the um you, there was a lot of uh legends there um and there was a couple advertised uh, that didn't show up for whatever reason, but we'll get into that after. Um, SmackDown, SmackDown uh, 
came to us on Fox for the very first time on October 4th, 2019. It was from uh, Los Angeles, California at the Staples Center. Um, and they had a really big attendance. It was basically almost full. It was uh, 17,558 people there. Um, I was a little bit bigger too. So it was more like 17,559. Um, and so the tagline for the show was, we're all superstars celebrating 20 years, blah, 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 blah. Um, so this came on the heels of, well, not really on the heels, but like about a year ago, the, the announcement was that they were going to be moving to Fox and Fox had paid uh, WWE about a billion dollars for, uh, the rights and the licensing and everything like that. Um, and, and you know, a lot of people were interested to see what was going to happen, especially the way that, um, Fox or SmackDown was being run at the time. Because if you remember storyline-wise, some of them were, were really good and some of them were really bad, uh, especially more on the bad side. Um, uh, like that 2017-2018 era of SmackDown, it, you know, was uh, pretty decent, especially with the return of Daniel Bryan. Um, but around that t around this time before they got into Fox, maybe I'd say about six, eight months prior, the writing for SmackDown kind of went downhill. And so everybody's concern was, okay, if the writing is going to stay like this, how is it going to pan out for them on Fox? Now, a couple months before this, it was announced that uh, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff were hired once again by WWE to lead creative for both Raw and SmackDown, um, respectively. And so Paul Heyman ran creative for Raw and Eric Bischoff ran creative for SmackDown. And the belief was that because of Eric's uh, TV ties and as an executive producer, he was going to handle uh, the the representatives of Fox a little bit better. Uh, so on this first SmackDown on uh, Fox, uh, we started out by um, bringing up Becky Lynch, and then of course King Corbin interrupts her, and then we have The Rock, the People's Champion, yeah. the Great One, make his debut because of course he was because of course he did. Um, and thank God it wasn't a, like a VS satellite thing. Like he was actually in the building and that place erupted. I still have the video. That place fucking erupted for that man. Um, and of course, The Rock just insulting the hell out of uh, King Corbin and uh, Becky Lynch follows along because she is the Raw Women's Champion and she is the man. Um, after that, super, super tough dude. Yeah, it's a super tough dude, which did not... Um, catch on uh, <laughs> uh matches we have becky lynch and charlotte Fair, charlotte flair defeat the boston health connection in the tag team match um after that we had seth rollins versus shinsuke nakamura end in a no contest because uh seth rollins was in the middle of his feud with the fiend yeah. um i was kind of disappointed that we didn't get to see the whole fiend entrance at any point um Kevin Owens defeated Shane McMahon in the career versus career ladder match. Uh, this was actually a really good match. And this is, I think, the best match of the night. Um, and it was super entertaining. Uh, this, this, uh, this match really popped for me. Um, after that, we had Braun Strowman, The Miz, and Heavy Machinery, Otis and Tucker, defeat AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Robert Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. Um, I don't remember Robert Roode getting his own entrance because that would have been awesome. Yeah, Robert Roode came out with Ziggler. That's right. Um, but seeing everybody else's entrance is actually kind of neat. Um, Roman Reigns defeats Eric Rowan in a lumberjack match. 
I was just like, you had eight of them in out there in the match before. Why did we need to see like fucking twelve more? Uh, and I had like no, I didn't give a shit for the strings and Rowan match at all. Did you? No. I could just, care less. It was just such a blah match. Um, and this and Rowan wasn't doing the cage by then, right? Yeah. He was or he wasn't. No, I don't think he was. I don't think he was at all. Yeah, this is pre-Spider. Yeah. Um, after that, we have what is basically the most controversial um, uh, main event SmackDown has had, and actually the WWE has had, uh, aside from obviously the Montreal Screwjob. We had Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman defeating Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship, which only lasted eight seconds. That's that was quicker than me last night when I was having sex. I'm sure your girlfriend will appreciate these comments. Um, no, she won't actually. She won't she actually. Knows. She won't actually. She knows that I only lasted six. Um, yeah, um, yeah. They didn't even give fucking Kingston a fighting chance. Like literally, I remember there's 15 more minutes of SmackDown. I was like, okay, this is going to be either be really good or really bad. And of course it was the latter. And I remember there were dudes like around their section that were like super fucking, um, uh, super fucking excited for this match. Like there was a group of young black dudes, like about to the left of me, a couple of sections, like, you know, away. And they were just chanting for the culture. I remember this. They were chanting for the culture. They were so hyped for this. Then that happens. Um, after that, um, we have uh, Mysterio coming out uh, because uh, Lesnar had attacked Rey Mysterio on the previous Raw and his son Dominic as well. Um, Mysterio comes, Mysterio's music hits, Mysterio comes out, and then following Mysterio is some buff dude that everybody in the crowd can't really see, and we're all wondering how did Dominic get so jacked within the past four days? Um, <laughs> And of course, because they have his Tron playing at the very top, everybody's looking to the top to see who the, it takes maybe like two, three minutes for everybody to realize that's Cain Velasquez. Yeah. And my first question was, who the fuck is Cain Velasquez? <laughs> I remember literally, I was just like, who's Cain Velasquez? I don't know who Cain Velasquez is. Can somebody tell me who Cain Velasquez is? Um, yeah, I don't fucking know. I didn't, I didn't know. I don't really watch UFC. I don't give a shit. Um, Cain Velasquez punks up. Here's the thing is most wrestling fans don't watch UFC. Most UFC fans don't watch wrestling. No. So uh, I'm glad I wasn't the only one with that. Kane uh, Velasquez basically punched, uh, punks out Lesnar. Lesnar runs away. Um, did you know that Vince had a, an opportunity to buy UFC? Yeah, I know. And he fucking, he didn't think That's it fine. would draw. Yeah, what an idiot. Um... <laughs> And that was it. That was literally the end of the show. Um, there was no dark match. There was no 205 Live. They canceled last minute 205 Live and decided to run a, to have a, re, a rerun. Um, and yeah, that was that. Um, and obviously, like, you know, there was a bunch of legends there at the top of my head. I remember there was uh, Lita, there was Hogan. Um, who the fuck else was there? Flair, uh, Nash. Uh, there was a bunch of people there who showed up and they all got entrances and they all got their music and everything like that. I thought that was totally cool. Two people that were advertised that didn't show up for whatever reason uh, were Sting and The Undertaker. For whatever reason, 
you know, they advertised them, but they didn't show up. And I think that brought a lot of people down too, especially people in the live audience. Yeah. Cause I really, I really don't care for Sting's new music, but just the fact that I could have saw Sting. This is a big thing. This is a big thing for me. But the fact, you know, here's the thing is Sting's a California native. So you, you know, you, you're hyping. Oh the, yeah, exactly. From, from Venice beach. Yeah. You're hyping the local crowd and it's like, Oh, he's not here. I will say that I've at least seen an Undertaker in Trance once in my life, so I'm happy with that. And and it, it lasted about 15 minutes, and I was I was happy with that. And it was with Paul Bearer. I can say that wow. at least too. Nice. Did you enjoy his dong? Hmm? Did you enjoy his dong? Yes. I was not anticipating how loud the dong was. <laughs> um. Honestly, uh, you know, I watched it live in person and then i had to watch it again uh just for this um and this was a while ago but i still i didn't like this i don't know like uh, obviously by this point i think i had already stopped enjoying all the wwe stuff but this doesn't hit for me um and especially that main event now again let's compare the aew main event to this smackdown main event you want to get people hype so as far as aew goes they're going to have a new faction and you want to get people enticed to, to, to you know to come back but with this main event you're almost kind of doing the same thing except you're basically feeding kofi kingston who was you know the first african-american champion the first black champion of the wwe who was basically a, you know a, a a big get you know his championship one was a big get for a culture you know, and he had a pretty decent run. He didn't have a lot of great opponents, unfortunately, for whatever reason, but he had a pretty good run. But then you feed him to Lesnar. You make Kingston look like a chump for Lesnar in eight seconds. And then you bring out Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez doesn't even have a contract with the WWE. Mm-hmm. He doesn't fight Lesnar for the championship on SmackDown or for an actual WWE pay-per-view. He fights, he fights Lesnar at Crown Jewel, you know, a Saudi pay-per-view. That's mainly for the Saudi crowd. And he still doesn't win. He still doesn't, you know, he punks out Lesnar, but then Lesnar still gets a win over him, you know? And then, you know, this is happening. This happens in October, uh, early November, five, six months later, Cain Velasquez isn't in WWE. And, you know, we've heard a lot of, uh, we've heard some people, especially, I forgot who, who, what his name was, but the writer that was at SmackDown at the time saying that this is always the plan for Kofi Kingston, for Kofi Kingston to just be punked out by Brock Lesnar. And I think that's absolute bullshit. That from day one, day one that they were going to give uh, Kingston the title, they were just going to feed him to Brock Lesnar. For and Le- and Kofi has never gotten his his um, his rematch. And I know they stopped doing rematches or whatever. But I mean, you give everybody, you give Roman Reigns a rematch immediately after his loss at WrestleMania two years ago. But Kofi Kingston doesn't get his rematch. Yep. So uh, this, I still get, I think I gave it like a one or a two last time. I still gave it the same. It's still a one. It's like the, the whole thing, like it, it's a one. And if you, and if anybody listening to this can give us a better reason, uh, you know, give us their opinion as to why the show was good or really good or great. If you're on crack, um, please let us know, you know, find us on Facebook, TNDW podcast on Facebook, TNDW podcast on Twitter. Uh, you know the blog's going to be up uh, hopefully soon um, we would love to hear what you have to say we want to hear why you're wrong we want to hear why you're wrong 
Also, um, if you're from Alabama, please list that you're from Alabama, so that way we know you're an idiot. Yeah, we know that it's just your genetics and not because, you know, you you watch weird wrestling. You probably still watch early, you know, late 2000 TNA and just like, oh, that's my favorite. Your, your, ma- your favorite match is probably Ali- uh, Melina versus Alicia Fox. No, their favorite their favorite wrestling is uh, Vince Russo 2001 year. Oh God. WCW. Your, your favorite champion is probably Jeff Jarrett, and your name is probably Jeff Jarrett as well. <laughs> uh, you're probably jamming your Jared into a tight angle. Um, you know, Karen is the best angle that uh, that Jeff's ever been in. All right, I'm gonna stop the, the jokes now before we get into trouble. Um, <laughs> Karen Angle's is gonna come and kill me. Uh, we're gonna get canceled when this show comes out. Um, <laughs> Or get canceled before it even begins, and we're not even morticians. Um, oh, oh. Anything else for this show, Donald? Um, um, uh, quick news bits Retribution. Yeah, we're going to cover it in our next episode a bit more, but Retribution is. There's a lot to cover for Retribution, to be honest. There, you know what? That's going to be safe for next episode. With this, I think we're pretty good for today on this episode. Donald, where can they find you? You can find me at TNDW Podcast on Twitter as well as Facebook. You can also find me at E-L-D-O-N-B-R-U-J-O, El Don Brujo on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and... Snapchat as well, if you're into that kind of thing. I don't really post on Snapchat. OnlyFans, if you have 35 cents to spare. Yeah. Um, I am at Pending257 on Twitter and also TNDW Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as well. Please yell at me and tell me why you think I'm wrong. You're going to be wrong, but, you know, go go ahead and give it a shot because I'm sure that's the most you've ever thought in the past two weeks. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Oh boy, would you call that an episode? Um, Just like uh, SmackDown on Fox, I would call this a fucking disaster.